morning and to worship with you. It's an honor to share with you in the Word as well. And I trust you've had a good week. You're doing all right? Good big smile? Good. I just see that Colgate smile there. I read about a lady who answered a doorbell once to find a plumber standing there, full box in hand, and um, work van parked out in the driveway, which said, Quick Fix Plumbing Services on it. And uh, the plumber said, Good morning. I'm the plumber, and I've come to fix your pipe. And she said, I didn't call a plumber. And he said, uh, you didn't? You are Mrs. Foster, aren't you? Uh, no, I'm not. But there was a Mrs. Foster who did used to live here about oh, a year ago or so um, and called out to her husband in the back. She said, how long have we been here? He said, oh, about a year. She said, yeah, it was about a year ago. And the plumber said, well, how do you like that? They call a plumber claiming it's an emergency and then they move away. I'll call my first job out of university working um, in a situation where we had a mainframe computer. It was, dare I say it, pre-PC days. And um, so there was a terminal and you sat behind it and when the mainframe computer went down, you stopped working. And um, it would often crash and consequently you'd sit around doing nothing. And the company I worked for had a contract with a large IT company that um, were given a retainer and if they would... Uh, be on site within 20 minutes, they kept the retainer once the system was down for someone to ring them, and within 20 minutes the technician technically was on site. It was good in theory, although uh, the system seemed to go down a lot, number one, and number two seemed to be down for a really, really long time. And there was a cartoon that circulated around which had a picture of a skeleton sitting at a, in a workstation uh, with um, the technician arriving, briefcase in hand, with the logo of the particular IT company the technician worked for, and uh, the speech bubble from the technician said, system been down long? <laughs> sometimes it seems like the Lord responds to our system crashes and plumbing failures like the IT tech or like the plumber. We're in the midst of a crisis and we call out to him and it seems that he takes forever to answer our cry. Or we're waiting for a promise from God to be fulfilled and it seems like he's taking forever to fulfill a promise, which is clearly in his word. And waiting in particular it's difficult when we stop to think that we have limited time here on earth. I mean, life is short. The older you get, the quicker it seems to pass. Someone said life is like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the quicker it goes. And as we've read of all sorts of people breaking through later in life. We've read of Colonel Sanders at age 65 starting Kentucky Fried Chicken. And Nelson Mandela being elected president of South Africa at 75. And we've read of Ray Kroc in his mid-50s starting McDonald's. Thank God for McDonald's. And we've also seen Susan Boyle at age 47 sing, I dream the dream. It, and a Brit, you know, Britain's got talent. But that doesn't do us any good. Because we live in an instant world. And quite frankly, I want it now. Now, Daddy, now. And we're used to the instant coffee, instant pudding, instant credit, and instant messaging world that we live in. We just don't like waiting. How many are thinking right now, come on, get on with it? <laughs> you just don't want to wait for the next word. If you go to the doctor, you're told to wait in a waiting room. If you go to the hospital, you're called a patient, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> we invariably queue up in a fast food for fast food in a slow line. The truth is, whether it's because life is short or not, we have a real challenge with waiting patiently for something. And if you've been a Christian for a while, you've no doubt experienced some delay in God answering a prayer or seeing a promise fulfilled. 
And at the beginning of the year, our lead pastor, Carl, felt the Lord impress upon him. Proverbs 3, in a, a particular a part of that in verse 5 through 6, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge or submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. He felt there's a hallmark scripture for us as a church at the beginning of the year. And learning to trust in times of delay and in silence from heaven is essential if we're to have any sense of peace in our hearts. There are people here today who have prayed prayers, and you've yet to see an answer to that prayer. There are people here today who are holding on to a promise from God, and you've yet to see God to come through on that promise. You know, David experienced delay in periods when he had to wait too. Psalm 69 verse 3 in the New Living Translation says this. This is David. I am exhausted from crying out for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen from weeping, waiting for my God to help me. Your waiting can take a real toll on us. It did for David. And yet there are other times in David's life when he was really confident and waiting for the Lord to come through. And Psalm 27 verses 13 and 14 says this. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart. And wait for the Lord. Why was he still confident? This particular psalm is a confident prayer to the Lord. For him to deliver him. Against those who are conspiring against him. It's, a, it's about his confidence in God's presence and prayer for deliverance from his enemies. Hence the conclusion of that particular psalm, I am still, despite the delay, despite waiting, I am still confident I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, in spite of everything, hardships or enemies, I'm still confident. It might take some time, but I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. If we can see delays in waiting time, that we experience as testing time and not wasted time, then it won't be so bad. Any time we spend waiting, if spent wisely, is not wasted. The truth is that we can face times of delay and we can get frustrated, we can get discouraged, we can get impatient, we can get annoyed, we can even get angry. And together, these can cause us to want to quit, to give up, to walk away. What is the use? I'm I'm out of here. You see, between the prayer and the provision, there's generally a time when we need to be patient. And patience is a great quality to have. How many of us have prayed, God, give me patience and give it to me now. And if you're a parent, I'm sure you've prayed that more than once. You know, patience is part of the fruit of the Spirit that Galatians 5.22 speaks of. So if you're a Christian, you love Jesus, you've asked him into your life, and you've allowed the Holy Spirit to take control and the Spirit of God is, is producing fruit in your life. The Bible tells us the fruit of that Spirit is love, joy, peace, and patience. Plus another number of things. But we should see patience being developed in our lives. So how do you practice patience? How do we wait patiently? How do we make the most of our waiting times? How do we see times of delay as testing times and not wasted time when we have so much we want to do and so little time? Firstly, I believe it really helps if we have the right view of God, the right view of our Father. He is a loving God who loves us dearly. God is for us, and his hands are out turned toward us. If you look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, it says this, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Everyone say, how much more? How much more? How much more? 
Will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? In Romans 8.32, it says this, He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. He gave up his own son. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? So we aren't on a back foot trying to coerce God. We're not trying to twist his arm up his back in order for him to take notice of me. I'm here, God. I'm here. We're not trying to win his favor in any way, shape, or form. We already have that. Jesus tells a story in Luke chapter 18 about a woman who wants justice, and so she approaches a judge who is an unjust judge and doesn't really give a rip about her cause. But because she keeps approaching him and asking him for justice, the judge finally rules in her favor. Why? It's because she isn't going anywhere, and he realizes that. She just keeps coming back, keeps coming back, keeps coming back. And he can see he's got to get worn down. So he judges in her favor. But Jesus told that story in order to illustrate the fact that we are to be like that woman when it comes to our prayer. We should pray and persistently pray and not give up. Not give up. Remember, between the request and the response, invariably there's a delay. We have to keep bringing our request to the Lord to continue to pray, to remind him of his promises. Lord, you said, so I'm standing on the promise. When I was growing up, I was told that you just pray once for something and then you don't pray again. Because to pray a second time or a third time or to ask a second, third or fourth time showed that you lacked faith. You just do it once and that's it. Just pray once and that's it. And then you sit back quietly and wait. Well, that is an actual fact. It's not how the Bible teaches us to pray. We're to ask and keep on asking, to seek and keep on seeking, to knock and keep on knocking. By being persistent, we will see our breakthrough. And in Luke chapter 11, Jesus tells another story. This time it's about a man who is asleep with his family. And he gets a knock at the door from his neighbor at midnight. And his neighbor has visitors who have come to him, and he goes to his pantry, finds he's got no food, so he thinks, I'll just next door, nip next door, and borrow some food from my, from my neighbor. So he starts pounding on this guy's door. Well, a sleeping man calls out and says, go away, I'm in bed, come for breakfast tomorrow morning, but not now. I'm asleep and my family are asleep with me. And Jesus said that finally the man got up to give him bread. He tiptoed over, his, because the family used to sleep all together, not standing on any heads of any children or anything like that, out, got bread and gave it to him. And Jesus said the reason why he did that is he kept knocking, he kept knocking, he kept knocking, kept calling. His persistence won the day. Jesus was saying we should be like that. Don't give up. There's invariably a delay between the request and the response. It's not a time to lose heart, but a time to encourage ourselves and declare because there's power in our declaration. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. I am still confident. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will, I will, I will be strong of heart. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Jesus is not saying that if you um, just wear God down, you'll get it. God can't be worn down. He is saying that by being persistent, we will see breakthrough in our lives. An answer to prayer, a promise fulfilled. The truth is that there are some things in our lives that will cause delay. Things that will mean we have to wait. And if we better understand what they are, we'll better be able to handle the delays that we face. And I'd like to look at some of those this morning. Well, so what are some of the causes of the delays that we have? Well, the first one I'd like to look at is demonic influences. Demonic influences. In the book of Daniel, we see a situation when Daniel is calling out to God for some insight into the future of Israel. And he hears nothing for 21 days. Then finally he gets an answer. He finally gets an answer. 
And um, I'd like to look at that in Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 14. Then he, and that's the angel, continued, Do not be afraid. See, an angel has come to him. Imagine that. You're praying to God, and then suddenly an angel comes with an answer. I mean, that's pretty freaky, eh? It's one thing to get an answer, another thing to get an angel. Then he, that's the angel, continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I've come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there by the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Daniel's prayer was heard the moment he prayed it. But the answer was delayed by a demonic force who attempted to thwart God's plan. Yeah, for three weeks, that demonic principality over Persia in those days, which is where Daniel was living, tried to stop the angelic messenger coming to Daniel. Now, finally, Michael, who's one of the archangels, comes to assist and enable the messenger, the angel, to be free in order to be able to come to Daniel with the message that the Lord had given him. The delay was only short-lived. God's plan will always be achieved. And it reminds us that Paul said in um, Ephesians chapter 6, that our enemy is spiritual, not physical. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There may well be times in our lives when demonic activity hinders our prayers. But like Daniel, we won't necessarily know. But notice this, at no time did Daniel pray to Michael. And he didn't pray to the other angel either. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell us we're to pray to anyone other than God. Our focus is to be on him and not on angels and what they're doing and what they may not be doing. Secondly, this shows us the importance of persistence in prayer. He prayed 21 days. Imagine if he had stopped praying after 10, what might have happened? Or after 20 even. He may not have got an answer. And understanding that the answer will come and that we just have to hang in there because it takes time is essential. And understanding that we need to do our part in being faithful in prayer will help us not quit in a time of delay and waiting. Waiting time is not wasted time when we continue to be persistent in prayer. So some delays are caused by demonic influences. Other delays can be caused by us, ourselves, our own doing. Firstly, if there's a discord in relationships or in conflict in home. And from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, we see Peter says this, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you in the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, the context here is Peter has been talking to the wives in terms of the way they behave and, and the way they should be living. And then he turns his attention to the husbands. Remember, together we are heirs in God's grace. He's saying mutual prayer is not possible unless there's mutual love and respect. And he's saying that prayers are hindered if we are not right with each other. And specifically husbands who can easily lord it over their wives because they are physically stronger in most cases than their wives. But in no way might I add emotionally, spiritually or mentally weaker. He's saying husbands, our prayers will be hindered if we do not treat our wives respectfully, correctly, lovingly and in a godly manner. And I believe it cuts both ways. If there's tension in the home, you're not going to feel much like praying together, are you? Consequently, prayers will be hindered. Remember, Paul is saying, don't let the sun go down on your anger. You might remember that scripture. 
Don't not let the sun go down. Your anger. So if husband and wife got issues and a conflict, don't go to bed angry. Stay up late. Sort it out. Then go to sleep. Stay up late. Sort it out. Then go to bed. Don't try and um, think, oh, well, I'll go to sleep. In a similar manner, Jesus said, if you've got a, a gift and you're going to bring it to the altar of the Lord and you know there's an issue, you've got a relationship issue, leave your gift at the altar. Go sort out that relationship. Then come back and offer your gift. You see, sin, any sin, hinders prayer. Isaiah 59, 2, pretty sobering scripture says this, but your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. We need just confess our sin. It's as simple as that. Lord, you know that I've done this, and I just bring it before your throne of grace. And that literally is what it is, a throne of grace. He pours his grace and mercy into our lives, and his ear is inclined to the cry of our heart. The door is always open to his presence. And Psalm 66, verses 18 through 19 says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would have not listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my so discord in our relationships, especially in the home, or sin in our lives in general, can cause our prayers to be hindered. And secondly, we can cause delay in our prayers um, and not have them answered, at least, when our desires are wrong. So it's not just discord in relationships, but desires that are wrong in our own lives. And the book of James, chapter 4, the author says here, James says this, You do not have because you do not ask God. Fair enough. When you ask, you do not receive. Because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So simply put, if we're asking for something that is outside his will for us, or the Lord knows would not be good for us, then we won't receive, no matter how much we plead and how patient we are. I mean, if I ask the Lord for $10 million, $10 million, and as much as he loves to give, give gifts to his children, and no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless, I'm not sure that I'd actually get that $10 million because I'm not sure my motives are pure. I might do it just so that the people that see me driving my new flash car will be impressed. And my new fancy house would think, gosh, that guy's doing all right. Because my motives aren't right for the $10 million. But if I was to ask for that $10 million, I could set up a foundation that would then be able to see young people, for example, or youth at risk really be blessed. Then maybe they might, I might be onto something if it's birthed in God. Motives are wrong. Don't know, but if motives are right, yeah, maybe. Bill Hybels put it this way. If the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If I am wrong, God says grow. But if the request is right, and the timing is right, and you are right, God says go. It'll happen. So some delays are caused by demonic influences, others by us, in relationships, discord in relationships, and, and um, wrong desires, etc., etc., motives are incorrect. But the third delay is simply the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. There are delays that we just really can't explain. And because we are often in a hurry to see the answers to our prayers and promises granted, we can find this really hard to cope with. An example of this is found in John chapter 11. When Jesus receives news that Lazarus is sick. And rather than responding to the call to go and heal him, Jesus remains where he is for an additional two days. I'd like to read this from John chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet 
with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. I find that interesting. He loved them, so he stayed. Interesting. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Now Lazarus' situation is dire. Yeah, his sisters were beside themselves watching their brother's life slip away, knowing that if Jesus was there, it would all be okay. He'd do something, so they send for him. But Jesus delays his journey back to them by two additional days. This is critical time. How do you think Mary and Martha were during this time? How do you think, what were they thinking? Where is he? Surely he should be here by now. I thought we were tight, you know. He, he's, he, why has he abandoned us? You could, you, but if you know the story, it's not all bad. Jesus does come back. And in that time, Lazarus has in actual fact passed away. But Jesus raises Lazarus back to life again. And there was a purpose in the delay. It was so that Jesus could raise Lazarus back to life. That's the reason why he stayed. Because he was dead, and he'd been dead four days in the tomb. And uh, in those days, you had to be dead four days to really certify that the person was dead. Otherwise, they could have, the coolness of the tomb could have revived Lazarus, and he wasn't actually all that dead, so it wasn't really a miracle. So waiting four days meant an actual fact that he was. Other interesting point was, and I might have said this before, but when Jesus does call him out of the, the tomb as the power of God, he says, Lazarus, come forth, not just come forth. Because if he just said come forth, every dead person in the tomb would have come forth. That's why he specifically named Lazarus. That's our power. Whoa. Anyway, so he did it so that Lazarus would be raised back to life. He also delayed two days so that God could be glorified. And he also did it to ensure the continuing journey that he was taking toward the cross would be progressed one more step. Because if you continue reading in John, you see the religious leader said, we've got to get this guy. We've got to take him out. It was this that really pushed them. Now, Mary and Martha had no explanation for the delay. They didn't know what was going on in the heart of God. They were just kind of here in this situation, in the micro, but the macro, something much, much bigger was taking place. It wasn't until Lazarus was raised to life that understanding came. And from this example of God purposefully delaying, we can see a few things. Firstly, at times, God waits simply because he wants to reveal his supreme power in the midst of our impossible circumstances. So he'll wait to the 11th hour. You could argue this is the 12th. Maybe 12.30. Lazarus had died, passed. God also wants to build faith. He wants us to have faith in him. So when hope diminishes in our life, and the only thing that will happen is a miracle will get us out of it, and a miracle does happen, faith grows in our lives, and he wants to see that to take place. And thirdly, God wants to get the glory. He wants the glory. No other explanation can account for what has just happened. So when we were experiencing delays... And needing to be patient, we need to see our waiting time not as wasted time, but as testing time. The Bible tells us that we should test ourselves, examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. So in that time of delay and the time of waiting, use it to ask yourself, you know, have I asked according to the right, you know, is it God's will for my life? Have I got an incorrect relationship in my life? Is some discord somewhere? Have I, have I praying with wrong motives? Is, is, there, is there cinema? What is, Lord, just use it to examine your faith to see, see where you're at. Examine the prayer you're asking. Make sure that you are in actual fact asking according to his, his will. And continue to pray. And continue to be in faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
We've got to continue to believe for what he's called. What, what has God placed on your heart? What do you believe in God for? I would hope that you've got something that you're praying for, believing for, that's a stretch for your life, for the future. I would hope and pray that there's something, and it's not just, oh, I'm happy to just sort of be like the rubber band. You know, that's what we love. You can imagine a rubber band. I had one a moment ago. Anyway, um, and it just, we love blob. We love that. But rubber band's designed to be stretched. So what prayer are you praying that would cause you to be stretched? Maybe for next week, next month, next year. In faith, are you believing that God, yeah, I, I, could, I could be stretched a wee bit. Lord, I'd, I'd be happy for that. I'm believing for that. I'm going to pray for this. It costs too much and you'll break the thing. But you hear what I'm saying? So I trust and pray that in your prayer journal or your prayer list, there's something. It might be the, a, a promise that God has given you that you haven't yet seen fulfilled, but you are still confident that you'll see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Maybe it's around a, a child that is not following Jesus or it's a, a parent that, you know, We have to take heart. Be strong. You know what it means to take heart? Psalm 27 verse 14, take heart. It means to be optimistic, to be comforted by. So even though I don't see it, I'm still optimistic. I'm still comforted by the fact that I will. I will see it. And as we wait for for the Lord, he will come through. This in the land of the living, which means the sight of the grave. In the delay, we need not waste time when we shouldn't. We must continue to focus on him. The enemy will fight us for our focus. He'll try to get us to look at ourselves and how unworthy we are. Oh, I'm just a worm. There's no way God would even look at me. Or if he can't get us focused on ourselves, he'll get us focused on others. Well, they seem to be praying. God answers every single prayer they get prayed. How come they get all the blessings? Oh, something wrong with me. But we have to remind ourselves that we are God's children and he loves to give good gifts to his kids. We need to be in his word. And get our worth from here. You know what? God used 40 different people over a period of 1,600 years to write down his thoughts about you and put them in here. And to write down his thoughts about me and how much he loves us and how much he is for us and wants to be close to us and how he made that possible by sending his son, Jesus Christ. We also have to use our time of delay in growing our faith in him. In the Bible we read that uh, that Paul the Apostle was imprisoned a couple of times. Put in prison a couple of times. Now his desire of course would have been to be free. To continue to itinerantly preach the gospel, to share with people, to see them healed, delivered from demons etc. and see people come to Christ but he's in prison. But whilst he's in prison we do not see him wallowing in any self-pity. He wanted to use that time to spiritual advantage. He possibly met with other Christians who came to visit him and to encourage them. He would have spent time in reflection and in communion and in prayer. Use that time to write a number of the epistles that we have in our Bibles. And it's during his second imprisonment that it is believed that he wrote the book of 2 Timothy. And there's a real scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, which is quite sort of out there. It says, he's talking to Timothy, who's a young pastor, who's pastoring the church at Ephesus. And he says this to Timothy, When you come, bring the cloak I left from Carpus and Troas, and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Funny little verse, eh? Yeah, that's there for our edification. Because it seemed Paul used the time whilst he was in prison to continue to develop his knowledge of God and his relationship with him through his word perhaps even through other books. Now, he used his time that he had to wait before his release or whatever was going to take place next to develop his knowledge 
of God. And we need to do the same. We're in that time of waiting and, and, and patience. Rather than just saying, oh, I'm waiting and cruising, it'll be all right, it'll work out in the end, dwelling at ease in Zion, as the Bible talks about. We, in actual fact, are pursuing God. We're building a relationship with him. We're digging our fruit. We're searching the scriptures to make sure that we spend times in reflection and communion. You know, I think David might have despaired if he hadn't been confident that God would bring about his goodness in the land of the living. He knew he had to wait. He knew he had to be strong, and he knew he had to take heart, as do we if we're to see what God is going to do in and through our lives. You know, consider for a moment Chinese bamboo. You plant the seed, you water, and you fertilize it. In the first year, nothing happens. And in the second year, you water and fertilize it, and nothing happens. And in the third year, you water and fertilize it, and nothing happens. And in the fourth year, the same. In the fifth year, you water and fertilize it. And somewhere, at some stage in that fifth year, in a six-week period, it's Shoots up to 90 feet. 30 metres. The question I've got for you. Did it grow to 90 feet or 30 metres in six weeks or in five years? The answer, of course, is five years. But if they keep watering it and keep fertilising it, it would never have grown. And it's easy to be impatient when we can't see anything happening. Our problem is that we are in a hurry. And God is not. Joel Osteen tells of an older woman named Shelby. She genuinely desired to be married. She had prayed and prayed, but had never even been in a relationship with a a man. She was tempted to get discouraged, assuming that nothing was going to happen. She might end up remaining single for the rest of her life, which she was coming to that place of thinking, okay. But one day she was driving along the motorway. She got a flat tire and pulled over onto the shoulder of the motorway. A few seconds later, another car pulled in behind her and outstepped a handsome young man. Now he changed her tyre. After doing that, he asked her out for dinner. Short st- long story short, within a year they were married. He goes on to say, think about the odds of such an occurrence. Can't have been an accident nor a coincidence, but God was bringing these two young people together. Think about the timing involved in their meeting. The tyre had to go flat at just the right time so she could pull over to the shoulder of the road. And there had to be just the right amount of traffic on the motorway. Had there been too many cars... He would have been too late. She would have changed her own tyre and moved on before he came. Had there been too few cars, he would have passed her already. The young man had to catch just the right elevator at work at the right time, leaving, clicking out of his thing when he puts the card in just the right, a barrier had to go up at just the right time. Had to go through the right number of green lights and the right number of red lights. He had to drive at exactly the right speed, foot on the accelerator at exactly the right speed, in order to be driving down the motorway just behind her, having just enough room to be able to pull in behind her, then the inclination of her heart to be a helper. God had it worked out down to his perfect timing. And we have to continue to trust him. He has perfect timing. He has our best at heart and is working out his glorious plan. There is a purpose in our needing to be patient and our needing to wait. Waiting time is not wasted time if we persist or at least a persistence in our prayer, and continue to develop our relationship with him, growing our roots deep into him. That is the place that we too can then declare that we are confident, still confident in God, that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I'm believing for this, and I'm believing for that, and I'm believing for one thing or another, and in the midst of all that, in the midst of all, I am still confident that it will come to pass. I will be strong. And I will take heart. I am comforted by the fact that I can see it. And I'll see it at the side of the grave.
God is good and loves us dearly. Would you stand with me, please? Father, I want to thank you for the love that you have for us, that we can come boldly into your throne room, that you hear our cry, that your ear is inclined to the cry of our hearts. Lord, there are people in this room today who are holding on to the promises found in your word, who are believing for things that they've been praying for, some for many, many years. I want to thank you and praise you, Lord, that you have heard those cries and that you do honor your word. Lord, I pray for each one who is waiting, who finds themselves in a place where they're needing to be patient, that, Lord, you'd grace them with that. That they would spend time, Lord, developing their relationship with you. They would spend time not dwelling at ease, but spend time in your word, pursuing you. Spend time developing you. And, Lord, would have that confident um, declaration on their heart. I'm still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Father, we'd know what it is to be strong, to take heart, and to make that declaration in Jesus' name. Lord, help us to be like the the man who came to his neighbor at midnight and pounded on that door wanting bread. Lord, to continue to pray. The woman who approached the unjust judge to continue to pray and be persistent. Help us, Lord, to not give up and to settle for anything less than your best in Jesus' name. Help us not to waver in faith, but we believe for your best in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We trust you. Amen. Just while we're in an attitude of prayer, I feel um, there's someone here who who feels that they've missed it. And um, it's possibly because through life you've you got off track and time has elapsed. You're back on track now, but during that time of being off track, as it were, you feel you missed it. Time has passed you by. The opportunity has come and gone. But I believe the Lord would want to minister to you this morning. We've got a prayer ministry team over here after the service. You just come down. People would love to pray. I'd love to pray with you just to see that, that nothing is lost in God. He is the God who's able to take that which the, the locust or the canker worm has eaten up and restore it to you. Double portion. Double portion. I also feel there's someone here who feels overlooked. And uh, looking at your life, you feel overlooked. And um, it's caused you to feel like you're not all that great. It's, quite, it's fine for others, but just for me, I'm, I'm, I'm just me. You know, I've kind of missed out and, and, and just like others notice everyone, but they don't notice me. And you've translated that to God has noticed everyone, but hasn't noticed me. I know feel the Lord wants to speak some words into your life, but there is an appointed time for what you're believing for. It is not yet, but there is an appointed time. So we'd love to pray for you as well if you're in that place and that it just rings us something in your heart and you think, I think I could respond to that. See, the Holy Spirit reveals so you can bring healing and wholeness. Just allow him, just step into the place. Allow yourself, don't allow pride or people will think. There's other reasons why people will come down to be prayed for as well. It might be healing or whatever it is. But we'd love to minister to you this morning in Jesus' glorious name. Amen.